alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The biggest sports stories of the week. He's not going to leave Jordan Love, the covered bear for Jordan Love. We know that. He's going to look out for his guy. So, uh, Kyle Kyle liked that. That was funny. That was funny. What? I'm serious. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. What would happen if Brian Gutekunst sat up at a press conference and said, I made a mistake. Plus some fun with pop culture. So you had never needed to stop for dinner at Magic City like Lou Williams did? I mean, does anybody actually believe he just he chose that just for dinner? Like, does he think that's working? This is Sunday Karma. The, the yeah. unibrow, like, because I'm kind of like Bert. <laughs> like, when, like, if I don't get the, the eyebrows done, I just have one eyebrow, pretty much. <laughs> But since COVID, I haven't had any of that. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City, alongside his precocious daughter, Harper, here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. It is a finals day in the state of Wisconsin, the city of Milwaukee. Good morning to you. I don't know if I ever thought I'd see this in my lifetime. I'll be honest. Not in your lifetime? Yeah. Wow. I would have guessed the Milwaukee Bucks if you'd asked me 10 years ago. I would definitely have said the Milwaukee Bucks will leave Milwaukee would be a higher percentage chance than the Milwaukee Bucks will be in an NBA Finals. And it wouldn't even be wow. close. Wow. That's a that's a statement right Had there. Have you been to the Bradley Center? Uh, yes. And, Craig, I wrote many uh, speeches and papers about how the Bucks, dating back to high school, how the Bucks need a new arena. Yeah. I mean, it legitimately felt like this was a team on the way out of the city. And now it's a team... On top of the Eastern Conference and in an NBA Finals hosting two games here, the world's eyes on not just the city of Milwaukee, the region, state of Wisconsin, and just an incredible, incredible day, an incredible moment for the Milwaukee Bucks. And couldn't be more excited about that as uh, the Bucks get ready to host the Phoenix Suns. And I don't know if we'll... Uh, I don't know if we'll get verification on this because I don't know if anyone's thought about this besides me. Um, But I was thinking about the idea of where you close out a series. Do you realize all six series won by the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks? I believe have been closed out on the road. I was wondering if that's ever happened before. So both of these teams have a proven ability to win on the road. The Bucks did not in the first two games, but I have absolute confidence in their ability to do it in game five or game seven. So it just makes it so important like it was in the net series to take care of business at home, to win games three and four, Make it a best two out of three series where you know you got to win your home game and you just got to win one of two 
on the road. So huge, huge, huge day today. And I think the thing that jumps out to me the most, and I understand it, is the overreaction that comes with the results of each game. And I know what you're saying. The results of the game are what matters. So if the Bucks are now losers of two in a row, of course you need to react to them losing. But when I look back to game two, I see a game that the Bucks very easily could have won. And I see a path for a win in game five or game seven. So at this point, I feel better than I did after game one that the Bucks can win this series. Obviously, it's going to come down to making sure they get today, which will be a, a massive game in this process. But you look at the quality of shots that Drew Holiday got in game two, the general shots that Chris Middleton got in game th- in game two, you know, and again, two or three ill-advised, but, you know, and when he hits them, they're not ill-advised, right? And I now see a path to the Bucks winning in Phoenix, which after game one, I didn't see as much. Game two, I do see. And for all the people saying, oh, the Bucks are the dumbest team in the history of the NBA Finals and all this stuff, I mean, that's craziness, right? Like, Chris Paul had six turnovers in game two. So is he now the most irresponsible point guard in the history of the NBA Finals? Like, you know, let's not play the results on this. Giannis played incredibly in game two. Drew was the aggressive player we wanted him to be and was a force on the defensive side and was uh, dominant offensively except for the ball not going in, right? Which is, uh, I know, a piece that matters. And uh, even got great minutes from Pat Connaughton. It'll be interesting to see how things change at home, though. It'll be interesting to see how Bobby Portis's five minutes go to 18 minutes or whatever number that goes to uh, today. It'll be interesting to see how a six-man rotation that it felt like, right? Uh, Jeff Teague was the seventh man in uh, in game two. How much that changes in terms of the minutes that Bryn Forbes gets. Um, things change once you get back home. And we've seen a dominant home team of the Milwaukee Bucks outside of game one of the Hawks series, which again, that was another game where you grab one defensive rebound. You know, the Hawks needed everything to happen that happened down the stretch in about five possessions in a row for the Hawks to win that game. So the Bucks have been a really, really good home team. Uh, by the way, the Bucks could have lost, though, game three of the Nets series. And that's what we can't have happen today. The Bucks cannot come out and play the way they played in game three of the Nets series. That is the one home game, to me, that they didn't play the way uh, they needed to play. And that's the game that scares me. I, we can't see game three of the Nets series. Um, that's the one home game. Uh, I guess you could add game one of the Heat series, but, you know, which, you know, we was uh, distant memory now. It's ancient history. But the Bucks need to come out and, uh, and really play the way they did in uh, game two. And if they play that game at home, I think they win by double digits today. I'll, you 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 said it perfectly, I think. But also, Craig, you're not worried just a tad bit, not at all, about the poor shooting of Jeru Holiday. Yeah, he might be getting his shots, but you're not worried at all that this might linger? Or no? No. They're coming back home, you're excited. No, I mean, Drew Holiday's poor shooting, I mean, like, it, it was, in, I mean, he's a six, I think he's a 68% shooter in the paint. 
on the year. And what is he in the playoffs? I and, mean, in the finals. Yeah, yeah. He must and, be below thirty percent. Right, that's what I'm saying. So like, no, I mean that there's going to be outliers in games. You know, Kevin Durant shot. 40% in Milwaukee in the postseason. And we don't look back like, oh, wow, Durant had a terrible series against the Bucks, right? It's like Durant had a, a legendary series, right? Yeah. I, I, right? I yeah, mean, it's so, true. So, you know, guys have guys have bad shooting games. Guys get bad shooting games uh, on the road. Um, you know, Chris and Drew both did not shoot well. Drew wasn't aggressive enough in game one, but he was in game two. That That's where I feel better about things. I, you know, honestly, it comes down to this, and it's very simple to me. The Milwaukee Bucks, still after watching those first two games, the Milwaukee Bucks, when you look at the four players that they put out there to start four out of five, the Bucks have four better players in the starting lineup versus the Suns. If Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday do what they're supposed to do, if they in, in, in the finals they have to elevate themselves. So if they score that 25, that 28 points, add that to Giannis 33-35, the Bucks are okay. What happened in game two? Chris Paul had like 23-25, Devin Booker had 30-plus, and Mikael Bridges had 27, 28 points. Combined in game two, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton only had like 28 points. So again, if the Bucks just do what they're supposed to do, their big three do their job, and Brooke Lopez step up, the Bucks can still win this series. And that's what it comes down to. It's that simple to me. Well, we said it in the Brooklyn series, right? The series doesn't start till the road team wins a game. So Bucks uh, just need to come out, take care of their business, and they need to hit shots, which again, I don't, there's not many times I could think where Chris Middleton has three games in a row where he's not hitting a shot. No, it, it, that's true. And the Suns, and you talk about it all the time, role players play exceptionally well at home. And that is exactly what the Suns got at home. They got other guys to step up and play well on top of their best two players playing well, too. So, I mean, that's just what it comes down to is the Bucks holding home court, doing what they got to do, and finding a way to steal one on the road. Now, what people will say is the Bucks uh, beat the Nets because of injuries to the Nets. I think you even uh, oh, subscribe I, to that. Oh, I agree, yeah. I disagree with that. Because I, I think that the Nets became more efficient because of some of those injuries because more offense went through Kevin Durant, who's their mis- most efficient player. But what I will say is the Bucks may have beaten the Nets because Joe Harris, the most efficient three-point shooter in the NBA, um, all of a sudden couldn't make a shot. And that's the thing you got to look for when it comes to you know these games three and four. If I don't believe Mikael Bridges is going to miss wide open shots. So the Bucks can't overly cheat, right, against the pick and roll and can't overly rotate and be overly worried about two guys, about Chris Paul and Devin Booker, because I do believe um, Mikael Bridges has a confidence in him right now that he will hit. He hit five three-pointers against the Bucks in the regular season when they were here. So there's so much to dive into on this game, on this series. But I think the biggest takeaway is the Bucks are still playing basketball right now. Right, like they've they've made it one step further than the Packers made it, which uh, we oh, thought the Packers had a chance. Craig, don't set these low expectations of us being one step further. We, uh, no, that's not. I'm not happy about the Bucks. I'm not happy about just getting here, Craig. I'm not saying to be happy, about but, it, but that is the biggest thing. We're that, still talking about biggest, basketball. We, we have no choice. We only play two games. It's only two games out of a seven-game series. That's, that's not. I'm not excited about that. You're not excited that the Bucks are. are I'm excited are playing, they're are in the going, finals. Are you going but, today? 
Uh, or did you sell it, your tickets? It was um, it was way too lucrative not to. Um, so game game four and game six, I'll be there. Uh, well, hopefully you paid for your game four and your game six with your uh, with your takeaway from game three. Exactly. You know, I'm not doing math now. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. But so I'll be there game four and game six because I'm confident the Bucks will come back. But my that they're still playing right now. That's not like exciting. What? It's, the Bucks uh, are, are in the East and the NBA Finals isn't that, exciting. It is, but it's not a big takeaway. The big takeaway should be the fact that the Bucks played like Boo Boo in Game One and Game Two, and somehow they didn't play like Boo Boo in Game Two. They played like oh, Boo Boo in Game One. No, Drew Holiday. Game Two, they played well. Drew and Drew. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm saying I, I disagree about them shot, playing well. When you take a shot, it could go in or not go in. That doesn't mean you played poorly. Well, just in game, your shot in game go in. one, they literally, if they would have made the bunnies that they typically make by the rim, they may win game one. In game two, again, yeah, they missed some shots, but the Bucks to me did not play well in game one or game two. And when they got the game down to six points in game two, I think Pat missed the three. We well, need first Pat had a turnover. Then Pat missed the three, three that could have cut it to three. And then the Suns had the possession. And it, they missed two shots, get the offensive rebound. rebound. Chris and, and Paul hits the corner and, three, and so, goes up nine, game over. And to me, the Bucks did not play great in those games. And I think that's, for me, it's a good takeaway. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis. Giannis killed it. But Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton have not played the way that they played in game Five in Game Six when Giannis was not there. We See, need I those Chris, guys. I think Drew Holiday did play that way in Game no, Two. No, he, he just the shot. He didn't was go like in. four. For, he the, was seven of twenty-one. You got didn't go in. You got to score. You, I, I, you 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 have to. You can't seven for twenty-one ain't it. And then Chris Middleton in Game One, those are garbage time points. I don't even yeah, count. I that. agree. Chris so, hasn't Chris hasn't shot hasn't shot well through two games, which is why I feel good about him shooting well today. And so to me. Again, if Chris and Drew do what they're supposed to do, that's why I feel good because these games were competitive. Though the Bucks were down, but they Game were they were fighting wasn't back. Competitive to me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was it wasn't because the third quarter they took off basically. Yeah, honestly, you know we tried I mean? to come back late. That's- yeah, I think Game Two was competitive, and if you look at the expected shots that were taken in Game Two, the Bucks win that game three out of four times. Like, if you actually look at the analytics of where Phoenix got all their shots, where the Bucks got their shots, and their expected make rates, where they were, and how they were defended, the Bucks win that game three out of four times. So, Oh, why analytics? <laughs> analytics aren't the reality. They're not, but it shows you that, that, that it wasn't that far away, which is what you were saying also. So, so yeah. And, and I mean, your eyes said the same thing that the analytics show. Look at that. I must be analytics in my brain. But tell me this. I do have a question for you. A lot of people like Hendricks Perkins talk about the Bucks being the stupidest team. People saying they're stupid. It seemed to me in Game Two, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Bucks did a better job of defending Booker. I mean, Booker still got off, but I thought they did a better job of not letting Booker and Chris Paul get to easy spots inside the lane. I felt like it wasn't. I, I didn't see Chris Paul getting really easy shots in the lane like he did in Game One. I mean, Chris Paul somehow finds his spots. I think the Bucks did a way better job on the pick and roll. So yes. I think the Bucks did a way better job not getting letting them get to the foul line. I mean, because that was the thing. Devin Booker yep. didn't shoot well in Game One. He just got so many free throws. Free, free yes. throws, and the Suns don't miss free throws. Oh, 80, there were eighty-eight percent in the play, eighty-seven percent in the playoffs. That's unreal. Yeah, so that's unreal. The thing. You can't put a team like that on the line. And, you know, when you're on the road, there's going to be a few more foul calls. I mean, the Bucks fortunately, went to the line more than Phoenix did in Game 2. But when you're playing on the road in the playoffs, you know, you're not going to get the whistle. And so the idea that Devin Booker, you know, in Game 1, he didn't even shoot well. And he was able to dominate the game at times because of his ability to get to the free throw line. But the Bucks did a significantly better job 
on the pick and roll in game two. But Chris Paul's smart. He'll adjust to what the Bucs did. And Chris Paul actually looked for his own offense probably a little bit more because the Bucs were playing the, that lob. You know, they're, they're looking for that lob to DeAndre Ayton, which they did a great job on. You know, Chris Paul will look and just settle into those 17-foot jumpers, which, you know, on some levels you may have to pick your poison, right? And Chris Paul is one of the few guys who can make over 50% of those shots. So um, it'll be Interesting to see how that whole thing plays out today. We have a whole lot more on the Bucks. We have Jason Wildy. We have your 7 at 11. And a whole lot more as we roll on. It is Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Wisconsin. Happy birthday to Derek Engler from uh, In the Trenches um, in Madison. Former Badger great. Also uh, Jordan Sherwood, uh, part of the Good Karma team. A lot of a uh, lot of birthdays today. Yeah, a lot of karma. A lot so, of great birthdays. Where can I really quick before you? Where's Harper? We're supposed to play the birthday game today. Who? Harper. Who? The uh, precocious young lady. The tween? She didn't come play the birthday game today? Um, guess not. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. she's growing up. Oh. She had sleep over last night. <laughs> Her friend's like, well, should we go do the show? Well, she say no. And she's like, it's boring. It's so long. <gasps> Two hours. Oh, man. Oh. And then right after I left, uh, I told her to put the dogs uh, in the mudroom as we were, as she was leaving the house. Uh-huh. She slammed her two fingers in the door. Oh, no. No. Yeah, so. oh, poor rough, thing. Rough, rough morning uh, oh. for her. Um, so uh, rough, morning, uh, rough morning after for Christian Yelich. Um, I, I want to, you know, today is a Bucks day, and we will have Jason Wildy uh, on the Packers. But... Um, I know, Kyle, you weren't watching the game when it happened. I happened to be watching it live last night. Um, I was watching the ESPY Awards also, which uh, there's some uh, amazing takeaways. That's why I'm wearing my my uh, Maya Moore shirt today after uh, her speech last night. She represented. But Christian Yelich gets a base hit, bunt base hit, finds a way to get on base, down two runs later in the game. Wild throw to first. Yelich does not turn uh, and does not make a move to second base, but gets called out for, I guess, going toward second base in the direction he was running down the line. And Kyle, you've been reviewing this, uh, uh, you know, as we speak, and seemed pretty crazy, right, to call him out on that? You know, I, I reviewed it, and I tried to take off my Homer lenses of uh, being a Brewers fan, and I, I took a look, and uh, it seems it seems pretty petty. It seems like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, I, I tried to do the same, and it's not like he even turned his body toward. He didn't look, like he his shoulders were not 
towards second base at any point. No, he so when he ran, he kind of when he stopped, he kind of slightly turned veered. his body. I yeah, he is sl- a little a little bit. It is something that, you know, probably had Craig Council not complained before balls and strikes, correct? That's what I when I was watching the video. I didn't see the game, I was just watching uh, the video and uh, that was the lead in is that Craig Council was complaining balls and strikes and he might have irritated and agitated the umps and I wait, think wait. that was if we, a, if we have any little league coaches or anyone now you know who's a baseball rules expert give us a call right now should Yelich have been called out last night 800 990 ESPN it's 800 3776 now I know a lot of little league coaches teach their kids to just turn to the right you know, after you get down there, so the ump can't make that call, and there's no chance the ump can call you out. But I mean, come on! I, I want to hear from if, if there's any little league moms or dads out there who were watching that Brewers game last night. I want to know: Do you think the umpires made the right call? And as as Kyle said, sometimes you got to take the Homer glasses off when you're trying to uh, make a uh, an evaluation of that. So we've all seen a lot of baseball in our lives, and we know you're not supposed to. You can't start to go to second, and then you, if you do, you got to get back to first base real quick, or they could tag you out. But Christian yells, you could tell it wasn't like he was trying to get away with it. It's not like Christian Yelich was like, "Oh, you know what." I- I know they could tag me. Like, he could have gone back to the base if he wanted to. There was no, it wasn't like the ball was in between him and the base where he would have had no chance. If he had wanted to, he could have very easily once, because it was a wild throw, he could have gotten back. I, I, I thought it was, it was a terrible call. 800-990-ESPN. It's 800 990 3776. We'll get your thoughts on that. We'll also be joined by Jason Wildy, the latest. I, I believe it's uh it's mid-July. That means the football is coming. Started. It is coming. Jason uh with the latest on Aaron Rodgers uh playing in the Pro Am after uh his uh, big victory in the match. A lot of uh things going on for Aaron Rodgers right now. Can I can I take a vacation like Aaron Rodgers has and still get paid, Craig? Um, I think Aaron, is Aaron Rodgers getting paid? He got he didn't lose a dime, even though he did not show up to the camps before. They have given him all his money so far. That because remember they could have taken away money because he didn't come to the uh, mandatory camp earlier this uh was that this summer spring or yeah. May, and they they let him keep his money. Yep. Um. Somehow I don't think uh, that's gonna make uh make it up to him for what he's looking for. But we will talk to Jason Wildy about the latest from Aaron Rodgers, including what he had to say which is, I would call it the first real breaking news we've had in a long time with Aaron Rodgers from the American Century Championship as we continue with Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wildy is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Giving the people what they want, a little Jason Wildy brought to us by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. Jason, good morning. 
Good morning, Craig. How are you today? Jason, I've seen you golf, and I think the idea of you being our Aaron Rodgers golf analyst is a bad fit for your skill set. Uh, I'm not analyzing his golfing, that's for sure. Yeah, I just don't think that's, uh, that is maximizing your strengths. Um, do, I know you'll remember his name, but I remember you and a, an undrafted— Will Whitaker. Oh, he was Will not undrafted. Whitaker. Was he a seventh-round pick, Will Whitaker, or was he undrafted? A seventh-round pick? Yeah, good memory. Nicely yeah. done. I remember you and Will Whitaker. We were playing a golf, and while other me and whoever the other person in the foursome— were keeping track of shots. You and Will Whitaker were just keeping track of who would lose the least balls, and that was Correct. who won the round of golf. Uh, and it was—I uh, I would have to say there were no winners in that round uh, when yeah, I, when I look back. I think Tim Van Voren and Rob Vogel were with us as well, so it was quite the group that uh, was hacking its way around the course. At least Will and I were hacking our way around the course. That's so, what—that's the bad thing about golf, as you well know. If you don't play regularly, you are not going to play well and you're not going to enjoy it. And I had not played in like five years well, and now you, I haven't I mean, played since. You enjoyed it. And so you said if you don't play a lot, it seems like Aaron Rodgers is playing a lot of golf right now. Is he playing the same amount of golf he normally plays or is this more golf than a typical Aaron Rodgers offseason? Well, I think he had um, one addition to his schedule and that was obviously the match. But he plays every year in the American Century Championship in Tahoe. So that's this is typical. He just played that extra round, obviously, on Tuesday um, on TNT with our friend Brian Anderson. So it was – I think he's probably playing a little bit more, but I don't know. I know there were some folks that were, speaking of analyzing, analyzing his uh, shirtless photos from Hawaii, but – uh, when I look at him on the golf course and don't evaluate his game, but evaluate how he looks in a golf shirt, he looks like he's in as good a shape as ever. I don't think he looks any different, so I assume he's working out quite a bit. Yeah, I know that when we look at this time of year, you you know he has always kind of over he he's underplayed the idea of like during the lockout, the teams who got together and did the workouts and all that. I mean, yeah. So does he? You know, does he not value, you know, the time between the end of the season and training camp? Like, is he is that a a thing? So, like, does he feel like, hey, even if I play with the Packers, I haven't set us back at all because I don't really value that time? Is that part of how he his kind of core beliefs? Uh, I think that that's a very good observation, um, and I think it's been intensified that opinion by what happened last year right, where they were in the virtual realm the entire time. You heard Rogers talk many times about how valuable that virtual work was. And then he was one of the outspoken people during the CBA negotiations that said we don't need as much of an offseason as we ha are, have been required to do so far. And so I do think that he views the offseason as uh, a great time for young players and for veteran players, it is largely unnecessary. Maybe a, a mini camp would be sufficient. But the thing that he does value, and this is why your question is so important, he believes in the value of training camp immensely. Um, everyone likes to point out how he hates joint practices. He hated the fact that they did joint practices with the Houston Texans 
because the Packers ran their practices by Matt LaFleur's own admission, like preseason games where you run vanilla stuff. And he felt that they wasted those days of practice because they were facing the Bears in the 2019 opener. Chuck Pagano was the Bears defensive coordinator. And Chuck Pagano's brother, John, was on the Texan staff. So Matt LaFleur, as a first-year coach, did not want to be giving anything away during joint practices. I would be willing to bet that since they don't play the Jets, that this year's joint practices will have more value. And Rodgers has always said about preseason games, he doesn't need to play in them as long as they work their butts off in training camp practices because that's where everything comes together. So my my long-winded point, which you're used to after all these years, is that I don't think he feels like he set them back at all by not coming down to the offseason. But I think if this becomes something where he's not at training camp, then he's going to have a hard time making that argument given his history. It's also what leads me to think, hey, when he says we'll work it out in a couple of weeks and training camp starts in a couple of weeks, makes me think that we're uh, not as far away from maybe his return as it seems. Well, when you say we're going to work it out in a couple of weeks, I guess what you're referring to is a brief interview that you sent me right before we came on the air, uh, a piece from an interview that he did at this golf uh, tournament where he basically said, you know, I'm going to work out for the next few weeks, get in shape, and then get back to playing football, right? Like, I mean, it, he made it seem like, you know, he's going to be playing. We'll, we'll, we'll figure things out in a couple of weeks is his parting line as he walks away from the NBC Sports uh, microphone as he's playing in the American Century Championship. Look, I, now, that can mean a lot of things, okay? That can mean we'll figure out where I'm going to be playing or if I'm going to be playing because we'll talk more with the Packers and we'll see where they're at and if they're willing to do some things that I want them to do. I don't know. But for a guy who has played it very close to the vest all this time and said very little, uh, including when he was pretty evasive with Brian Anderson, who tried very hard during the match to get some sort of information out of Aaron Rodgers, I thought that this was another little breadcrumb that now we'll have to see where it leads to. So when you hear that breadcrumb, you... I I know you don't love the percentage game that Gabe likes to get you into all the time, but I, but in your voice I hear you at like Rogers seventy percent as the quarterback of the Packers this year. Yeah, I, I all right. So full disclosure, I have not talked or texted with him in a few weeks, so I have no new inside insight into what he's thinking, where his head is at, et cetera. And you're talking about Aaron Uh, Rodgers, not Gabe, correct? uh, I have texted with Gabe more recently than that, and I have talked to him more recently than that, yes. Okay. Um, So I don't know if the Packers have done anything to sweeten his desire to come back, or if, you know, you heard Tom Brady making some wise cracks. I think he made one on their, on their zoom call before the match where he said they were doing some like jeopardy takeoff. And he made some joke about Rogers who uh, doesn't have any options and hates his boss. Uh, and, and Rogers response was, I didn't say I hated my boss. Uh, well, he may, the other part of that might be true, right? He doesn't have options that he can sit out, but maybe he maybe he is at the point where he realizes 
that the best play for him, much like Brett Favre in 2007 when he was so unhappy with the Packers, eventually came back. He actually went to the minicamp, although he didn't take part after having ankle surgery. But everyone forgets 2007, which is when Brett Favre was as angry as Aaron Rodgers seems to be with the organization. And it was over Randy Moss and that sort of stuff. But it was a similar time. Everyone thinks back to 2008 and how ugly that got. This Rodgers saga is not very similar at all to 2008. Rodgers never retired. Doesn't want to retire. Yeah, so is uh, the, didn't come 2007, back. was that the year that they ended up going all the way to the NFC Championship, or was that 06? Yes. Okay, yes. so that was 07. No, that yeah. was McCarthy's se- uh, second year as the coach, and Barb was unhappy with Ted and said a lot of things about it, including things about how maybe – the Packers don't want him anymore, and they don't know how to tell him. Um, all those kinds of things. Rodgers was going into his third year as Favre's backup. I mean, I kind of went down that rabbit hole last week, and it's really interesting to see the parallels there because we all think because 2008 is so burned in our memories that that's what comes to mind. But 2007 is really the year where there's a lot of similarities to what's going on now. Have you uh, gone down that rabbit hole with Aaron and told him about that? Uh, no, but I went down that rabbit hole with Mike McCarthy the other day, and he was in town for a few days, and he, even he had kind of forgotten about 2007. Because, again, we're so fixated, and it's so, it was so ugly in 2008 that that's the saga that we remember, and the, and the 2007 saga with Favre, tends to be lost to history a little bit. More with Jason Wilde as we continue with Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Continuing with Jason Wilde, and Jason, you've brought up the name before, but when I look at the other players playing alongside Aaron Rodgers at the American Century Championship, you see someone right there on the leaderboard with him in Carson Palmer, who we've <laughs> talked about, who kind of had a situation like this. You have, you know, Doug Peterson, uh, you know, guy who uh, was was Peterson his coach, right? I mean, that had to have, they had crossed over, right? Now, no, so I don't know. I don't know if Rogers ever. I, I know he knows Doug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously they share their friendship with Farvey. Yeah, I yeah. Don't, I don't think that they ever crossed. Right, over I guess they time. never did. You got Alex Smith, who is uh, just hanging vocal up. Vocal supporter. You yeah, got a vocal supporter of Rogers. Yeah, you got Charles Woodson, who's been a <laughs> uh, a vocal supporter of Rogers. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there. Uh, you got AJ Hawk playing in that. Who's one of Aaron's guys who you wonder if Aaron pulled some strings to get A.J. Hawk uh, into that field. Um, You know, there's a lot of interesting conversations that you would think are going on uh, while Aaron is out there playing golf. I mean, 
do you think there'll be a little uh, leakage coming out of this weekend? Like, would you would you think Aaron may have had some little side conversations, and then all of a sudden a friend tells a friend tells a friend, and all of a sudden Monday Tuesday we're hearing some juicy stuff about you know Aaron Rodgers and the 2021 NFL season. Well, Tausch and I will be ready if that does occur. I don't. I guess my question, and this is what I do to Tausch all the time, and and he loves it, as you well know. I would answer that with a question. What is your responsibility as a friend if he's talking to you out there in Tahoe about his options or which way he's leaning? Are you are you supposed to keep that under wraps? Yes. Are you, is it okay to tell other people? No, like, it's not okay to tell about? anyone. But, I mean, we're talking about human nature, and you're talking about— like, even if A.J. Hawk thinks he's only telling his close people or, if, you know, someone tells right. someone who tells someone who tells someone. I mean, you just think that, you know, with that many people around, I mean, Aaron would have to be playing it incredibly close to the vest because with social media now, like, who knows? He says something in passing to uh, Jerry Rice, to Del Curry, to Stephen Curry, to... Tony Romo, right. I mean, maybe Romo he would recognize as a media member, but, you know, you never know who one one person leads to another. So I, if Aaron Rodgers, you know, knows what he's doing and told anyone this weekend, I think it's going to get out. I just think I, he, at this point, is so calculated. I don't think he would, even in those off-camera, off-the-record moments, say anything to anyone. So here was the other thought I had. So last night I saw, I did not get to watch, but I saw Adam Schefter tweet out a video, which I assume ran on the ESPYs yes. as some sort of like comedy thing, right? Yep. So and it looks like a bunch of the people that are interviewed there are at the American Century Championship, right? Yep. Rob Riggle. Exactly. Justin uh, Timberlake, Humber Rob Riggle. Timberlake, right. Yeah. Exactly. So then it made me wonder, you know, Rogers used to be very, very close with the woman who did the ESPYs. Her, her name was Maura Mance, and she passed away a couple of years ago. I found myself asking myself, gee, does Rogers, like, do they come to Rogers and say, hey, we just, we're, we just want to do this. This is going to be our comedy thing. Are you okay with it? Because then I'm wondering, okay, and this is how far into the weeds we've gotten. Does he sign off on something like that if he's not coming back? Like, it's making light of basically his, you know, No, I mean, if you watch it, they're really making light of ESPN's coverage coverage of it. it. So I think not only do they not, you know, get his permission, um, but they also don't, uh, I mean, it doesn't show you any way he's leaning. (laughs) The thing, if you want to read into it, though, is the idea that Justin Timberlake participated. Justin right. Timberlake is, you know, reasonably, you would seem tight with Aaron, has a relationship with Aaron. And I don't know that, it, that if he would participate, if he thought it would really annoy, you know, a friend of his. Exactly. Right? That was he, his, his role in it was what made me go this route in my head, which I'm certainly not proud of because this is exactly the kind of stuff we end up doing in the absence of actual information. 
Yeah, and uh, and that was what this whole thing was mocking, right? Was that we all have so little information that we take anything to decide that Aaron Rodgers is going to space camp or that Aaron Rodgers is, right. you know, is is doing something different, which is uh, the premise of that. And the SBs, uh, I mean, Jason, you, I feel like you, the SBs are made for you. I mean, you got to get back and watch those, right? Like all the emotional stuff, all yeah, of the heartwarming. The yeah, it's I yep. mean, really yep. well done as always. They aired last night on ABC, but uh, you can find it on the ESPN app. For those who want to uh, check out the ESPYs, so Jason, we we keep saying this throughout uh, this process, but what's the next date that matters, and when's the next time we'll know something? You know, I, I know it could happen at any moment, but when's the next right. date where we really, really say like, oh wow, Aaron either showed up or didn't, or he the team did this or didn't do this? What's the next date that matters? Yeah, that's July twenty seventh. That is when they report to camp. The first practice is July twenty eighth. Uh, I would assume that most guys will come into town on the 26th-ish. I know some are already here, but that is that is the next date where, you know, if Rodgers doesn't report, he can be fined uh, starting on the 28th if he were to miss that practice. Um, that the, the 28th is the – that's the date. Like that, yes, they need to report on the 27th, but we're going to go out to practice on the 28th. Uh, at 10, 10 a.m., I believe. And I'm going to go and do Wilde and Tausch from the sideline as I was doing last year. And we're either going to see number 12 there or we're not. And maybe we'll find out beforehand, as you mentioned, with you know him saying something or the news breaking. But it'll, that'll be the big thing. Is Aaron Rodgers on the field at practice on July 28th? Is there a depth chart right now? And if so, what does the quarterback depth chart look like for the Green Bay Packers? Well, Aaron Rodgers is under contract, so he is still number one on the depth charts. Uh, There is not an official one that has been put out by the team, but I can tell you watching practice, uh, it goes Rodgers, who's absent, Jordan Love, who took like almost every 11-on-11 snap. They are trying to make up for lost time with him. And that is the one upside of Rodgers not being here is that they got a long look at him and he got a lot of work. Then Blake Bortles, who has some weird hitch in his throwing motion that I have to admit, I didn't watch a lot of Blake Bortles before this, but I don't remember it being there in like the 2017 AFC Championship game against New England. Then comes Kurt Benkert. All right, all right, we can was, stop at the race. So, so Jordan no, Love ahead. I didn't even get the Jake Dolagall. Come on, Jake, uh, Jake, and Johnny and Billy are okay, but Blake. So Blake <laughs> is behind Jordan Love. Is that as a result of just you know the draft slot and all that? They want to get or, Love the work, or is Love? They want to get Love the work. Yeah, no, so, they wanted to get Love the work. And is there a sense that Love? You know, was there anything he could show, or is that not even like the kinds of you know, mini camps and stuff they had, you know, where people are like, wow, he can really play. Or, oh, he's a great leader. What What's the thing that jumps out as the positive about Jordan Love right now? Well, so he had an absolutely fantastic second day of the mini camp. Like, it was, uh, he was magnificent. Uh, he was really, really good. Like, he made some throws. I would say this a lot last summer, that when Aaron Rodgers was a rookie and in his second year in camp when he still struggled some, he struggled plenty, but every day he would make one or two throws. Now, he'd make a couple of other throws that were god-awful, but he would make one or two throws where you looked and went, wow. That's why he was in the conversation to be the number one overall pick. 
And I saw one throw last summer where I said, wow, about Jordan Love. Now, in practice on that Wednesday, the second day of the minicamp, I saw seven, eight, nine, ten throws that I said, wow. Like, he was magnificent. The day before, he had been absolutely horrendous, like really bad. And then the third day, he was kind of in between. Now, the problem with taking anything from those practices is that offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett flat out said, this isn't real football. Right. So once, once but, we, but, but, get, but it's a great sign, exactly. Yeah. And, yep. and 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 it's and the more important thing, Craig, is it's all we have of him. Like it's it's really the first time that he had the opportunity to actually have practiced things and then gone out onto the field and done them again. Because last year everything was virtual. He shows up for training camp. He has not taken a single snap on grass when he gets to training camp. So here's a developmental quarterback who you acknowledge was a developmental pick, and he got no chance to develop before he got thrown in there. Then he had no preseason games. So in fairness to him, those practices at minicamp were more than just it's not real football, but they were also just a one small step for a very young quarterback, and he's got thousands of steps in front of him. So. Well, Jason Wilde shares that with uh, Jordan Love because he has never actually done this show on grass. So, because uh, uh, Jason stays away oh, from all you know, that. Do, do you know? Do you know that? I mean, can you say that for certain? I've been standing Kyle. on grass while I've been talking to you. Before. Oh, I wasn't talking about that kind of grass. <laughs> um, I was. I was talking I'm about. A, I was talking about a different kind of grass. So I, I think we. I. I feel pretty confident in that. Um, and there he is, Jason Wildy. Uh, appreciate it as always, and uh, excited to see what the next few weeks brings. Thanks, Jason. Go box. Uh, thank you. Uh, we uh, have our 7 at 11, and it uh, may be a, a little bit themed toward the Bucks at Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.